أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كفر الذين قالوا إن الله هو المسيح ابن مريم They have certainly disbelieved who say that Allah is Christ the son of Mary After inviting the people of the book to the Quran to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam Allah negates their false beliefs that laqad kafara Certainly such people have disbelieved. They're not believers anymore. Who? Alladhina qalu, those who say that inna Allah, indeed Allah, huwa, he is al-Masih, the Messiah, meaning Isa a.s. Ibn Maryam, the son of Maryam. Those who say that Isa is Allah, such people have disbelieved. Now some people, from among the Christians, they believe that Isa, Allah, the Holy Ghost, na'udhu billah, they're all the same. And some say that no, they're different, but they are three. So how that makes sense? Only they understand. But some of them believe that Isa salam is God. He is Allah. But Allah says that no, such people have disbelieved. This is something that is not true. Because think about it. Who is Al-Masih? Ibn Maryam. Ibn Maryam. The son of a human being. How can he be God? The son... Of anybody, how can he be God? Because the son, being a child means being created. And how can God be created? What makes God different from the creation is the fact that he is the creator, not someone who is created. So such people have disbelieved who say that Allah is Isa. قُلْ say, فَمَنْ يَمْلِكُ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا Who could prevent Allah at all? مَنْ يَمْلِكُ يَمْلِكُ from Mim Lam Kaf مِلْكِيَّةِ has several meanings of them is also to have authority, to have the power. So who has the power against Allah? شَيْئًا of anything in arada if He intended, meaning if Allah intended أَنْ يُهْلِكَ الْمَسِيحَ إِبْنَ مَرْيَمْ If He intends to destroy Isa, son of Maryam, who can stop Allah? Who can stop Allah from harming Isa ibn Maryam? وَأُمَّهُ And his mother as well. وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا And whoever that is in the earth entirely, meaning every single person on the earth. If Allah wanted to destroy all of human beings, if Allah wanted to finish, destroy, harm Maryam, her son, who can stop Allah? No one can stop Allah. Why? Because with Allah is the ultimate authority and power. He alone is the supreme power. He alone, when He decides to do something, no one can stop Him. When He decides to harm someone, no one can stop Him. No one can resist at all. Think about it. In this dunya we see that how if there is a storm ever, That comes by the idhan of Allah. Obviously it's by the permission of Allah that it comes. Can anyone stop it? You can never stop it. If the water from the sea just keeps coming, keeps coming onto the ground, and it just keeps rolling and rolling and flooding the streets and destroying the buildings and killing and destroying everything that comes its way, can anyone stop that water? Can anyone stop it? We have all seen pictures, we have all seen images of such scenes. If there is a hurricane, if there is even a wind, can anyone stop that wind? Can anyone stop that hurricane? No one can. 
This is just an example of how when Allah decides something, no one can stop Him. So if Allah wishes to harm Isa, no one can stop Allah. So what does it mean that? That Isa is not Allah. And Isa is not God. Only Allah alone, He is God. Because وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا To Allah alone belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and everything that is between them. يَخْلُقُ مَا He creates whatever He wills. He is the creator. He creates whatever He wants. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And He is capable over everything. He can create someone without a father. He can create someone without a father and a mother. And He can create someone without a mother. It's up to Allah. He can do whatever He wants. It's not according to your will, your reasoning. It's according to how Allah wants. And He is a supreme creator. So He can create anything that He wants. So He is the only God, the unique one, the one who differs from everyone, who has control over everything. وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى Another false claim of the Jews and the Christians. They say that نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ We are the children of Allah. Whether they mean this literally or metaphorically, regardless, أَبْنَاء is who? Plural of Ibn. Ibn is son or child. You know, one is that someone is literally your child. And the other is that someone's not your child, but you say that they're your child. Has anyone said that to you? You're just like my children. Or you are like my child. People say that in different cultures. Why? This is an expression of love. This is an expression of extreme love and importance that you give to a certain individual that you don't give to others. Like for example, you have a friend, really good friends with her, and her mother. She you know, treats you like her own daughter. So when she takes her daughter shopping, she takes you as well. Is she obligated to? No. Why does she do that? Because she loves you. She won't send the bill with you. She won't send the receipt with you to your mom so that she has to pay for it. Why? Because she loves you. When she loves you, she will give you so many gifts. She will do so many favors to you. And she will forgive you for whatever mistakes that you make. So the Jews and the Christians, they claim that we are the children of Allah and His beloved ones. Plural of Habib. Habib, beloved, gives the meaning of Mahbub. So we are His beloved ones. Meaning Allah just loves us. And when Allah loves us, then that means we can do whatever we want. And because He loves us, this is why He has given us so many special favors and so many blessings. He's happy with us. So we're good. You see, this false belief of theirs prevented them from believing in Muhammad This prevented them from accepting the Qur'an, from following the Qur'an. Because if someone believes that I'm good, I'm fine, then they don't feel the need to do anything more. They don't feel the need to do anything extra because they believe that they're good. Likewise, this false belief of theirs led them to many crimes, many sins. Think about it. If someone believes that a scripture is from Allah, He has sent it, then what can give him the courage to change it, to alter it? What? To make up things about it, to hide it, to delete parts of it. 
What can give him the courage to do that? This feeling, this realization that even if I do it, it's okay because Allah will forgive me. Why? Because He loves me. Because I believe in Him. So it's as though it's a favor I'm doing to Him because I believe in Him. So even if I change the book, even if I alter it, it's okay. This is exactly what we Muslims do sometimes. We commit sins, consume interest, lie, backbite, eat haram. And what do we say? Allah will forgive us because I'm a Muslim. Because Allah knows my heart. I love Allah. I fear Allah. So He will forgive me. And Allah loves me. And I love Allah. And because of this, we allow ourselves to commit sins. We exempt ourselves from fulfilling our responsibilities. The same thing the people of the book did. They said, نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ وَأَحِبَّاءُ Allah loves us. We are His beloved ones. So we can do whatever we want. We don't need you. We don't need the Qur'an. We don't need Muhammad wasallam. And it's okay. We're good. The thing is that as long as we believe that we are sinful, we will yearn to perform righteous deeds. We will beg forgiveness from Allah. As long as we believe that we are ignorant, we will strive to keep learning. As long as we believe that we are not righteous, we will desire piety. But the moment you start thinking, I'm good, I'm righteous, then a person will not do more. The moment a person believes, I know a lot, then he will not bother to learn more. He will not bother to listen more. He will not bother to read more, to understand more. Because he believes, I know, it's enough. I'm good the way I am. So this is the problem with this false belief. That it brings you to a halt. It doesn't let you improve. It doesn't let you go farther. In fact, it takes you behind. It makes you backward. It makes you fall behind. So the same thing happened with the Bani Israel. And this is what we see in the Muslims as well. We feel we are fine. Allah will forgive us. We've said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. So we can do whatever we want. So at an individual level, at a collective level, the same thing is happening with us. We leave the bathrooms dirty. We hurt other people. We say whatever we want to. And then we say, you know, I'm so good. I'm fasting. I'm a student of the Quran. I'm so righteous. Look at these people. They're not even doing this much. So because of the little good we do, we think we are so good that we don't need to do anything extra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to have a reality check. He says, قُلْ say فَلِمَ Then why is it that يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ Then why is it that Allah punishes you because of your sins? If you are so beloved to Allah, then why does Allah punish you because of the sins that you commit? And does it not happen that we feel the consequences of sins in our lives? Think about it. When a person gets sick, what is that sickness? At-tahur. Purification from sins. Because if we were sin-free, And that means we would never become sick. But why do we become sick? What do we learn in a hadith? That even the prick of a thorn that a believer suffers, because of that what happens? His sins are removed. So why do we suffer knife cuts and paper cuts? Why? As a consequence of the sins that we have committed. So Allah says, فَلِمَا يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ If you're so high up there, if you think you're so beloved to Allah, then why does Allah punish you because of your sins? 
The reality is that bal antum basharun. Rather, you are men, you are people, human beings. Mimman, from amongst two, khalaqa, he created. That just like the rest of people, you are also people. Just like the rest of human beings, you are also human beings. Just like they have two hands, you have two hands. Allah didn't give you three hands because you're special. Just like they have one brain, you have one brain too. Allah didn't give you two because you're too special. No. You are a human being just like the rest of men out there. بَلْ أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ مِمَّنْ خَلَقٌ And the reality is that يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ He forgives whoever he wills and he punishes whoever he wills. It's not up to your will that you think you're going to be forgiven so Allah will forgive you. And you believe that Allah is not going to punish you so He's never going to punish you. No, it's not according to your desires. It's according to Allah's decision. وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا And to Allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and everything that is between them. وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ And to Him is the return. So when you're returning to Him, when you're going to Him, you better make Him happy. How do you do that? By doing what Allah has told you. And if you disregard that, thinking that you're good, then you'll face the reality when you get there. So what do we see in this ayah amongst many lessons? One main thing that we learn is that you can see a glimpse of your fate in the hereafter in this dunya by looking at how Allah treats you in this dunya. Because we have false assumptions about ourselves. You know, we just believe we're going to make it to Jannah. And we believe that we will not be questioned on the Day of Judgment. We believe that Allah will forgive us. But look at yourself now. How does Allah treat you now? When you need something, you make dua. You feel that your duas are answered to? Or not? Likewise, when you do something good, does it bring you happiness in your heart? When you do something bad, do you see the consequences of it in your life? Do you suffer pain? Unhappiness? Guilt? All of this is a reflection of what? What will happen to you in the hereafter? Because your spiritual condition now will be your physical condition later. So how are you spiritually now? That is how you will be physically later. Don't assume things about yourself, that I am too good, I am too righteous. Be tough with yourself. Question yourself. Be honest with yourself. Allah says, Ya Ahlul Kitabi, O people of the book, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولُنَا Our messenger has come to you. يُبَيُّنَ لَكُمْ He is clarifying upon you, making clear to you, Meaning the realities that have been hidden, that you have forgotten, that have been covered by people. He is clarifying all of this to you. And He has come to you ala fatratim min rusul After a period of suspension of messengers. Fatra. Fatra is from the root letters fatara. And fatara shay is the pausing of something and then resuming. So something's going on, it stops. And then after some time it resumes. And fatra is that time period for which it had stopped in the middle. It's that interval, that intermission. That is what fatra is. So Muhammad ﷺ has come to you after a fatra from the messengers. Meaning, there was a period of time when there were no messengers. And now Muhammad ﷺ has come in order to clarify their realities to you. Like I mentioned earlier, the last messenger before Muhammad ﷺ was who? Isa ﷺ. And how much time had passed since... Isa came, according to some scholars, 600 
little less or more. So it's approximately 600 years. Some said 560, others said 540, others said 620. So in any case, it's around 600 years approximately. So the Messenger وسلم, has come to you after so long. Why? So that you want to receive him. Because when you've been missing something for so long, then what happens? You start wishing for it. When something's absent from your life for too long of a time, then you start wishing for it. And then when it comes, then you take advantage of it. Then you take benefit of it. And if you got it for free, you had it all the time, you wouldn't really bother about it. So this is why for 600 years, Allah made the people almost desperate for a messenger, for guidance. So that when He comes, you accept Him, you take Him willingly, you follow Him. And that in the hereafter, أَن تَقُولُوا Lest you say, مَا جَاءَنَا مِن بَشِيرٍ وَلَا نَذِيرٍ You don't say to Allah that, Oh Allah, no bear of good news and no warner came to us. We had no idea. Allah says, فَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بَشِيرٌ وَنَذِيرٌ So certainly, a bear of good news and a warner has come to you. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ And Allah is over all things capable. So what do we see here? That Prophet ﷺ was sent as a messenger to all people, especially Bani Israel, making clear to them what they lost during that interval. They were in need of guidance, just like the unlettered people were. So basically the entire world was in need of guidance. The entire mankind was in need of guidance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent His messenger Muhammad ﷺ as a rahmah for who? Lil'alameen, for the people of the worlds. لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ بَنُ مَرْيَمُ قُلْ فَمَنْ يَمْلِكُ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا إِنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُهْلِكَ الْمَسِيحَ بَنَ مَرْيَمَ وَأُمَّهُ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ وَأَحِبَّاؤُهُ قُلْ فَلِمَ يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ بَلْ أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ مِّمَّنْ خَلَقُ يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولُنَا يُبَيِّنُ لَكُمْ عَلَى فَتْرَةٍ مِّنَ الرُّسُلِ أَن تَقُولُوا أَن تَقُولُوا مَا جَاءَنَا مِن بَشِيرٍ وَلَا نَذِيرٍ فَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بَشِيرٌ وَنَذِيرٌ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ 
Remember, recall all the blessings of Allah upon you. His special favors upon you. Why remember them? What's the point? What's the purpose of remembering something of the past, an incident of the past, a blessing that you experienced in the past? In order to be grateful. Because when you remember the good things that you've experienced, then it makes you grateful. When you are grateful, only then you can submit. Only then you can obey. You can surrender. So Musa salam is making them remember Allah's blessings upon them so that the Bani Israel would become obedient to Allah. So that they would obey the instruction that Musa salam was going to give them. So remember the blessing of Allah upon you. Which blessing? إِذْ جَعَلَ فِيكُمْ When He made among you prophets, anbiya, plural of Nabi, meaning He chose people among you and made them prophets. And prophets, what does that symbolize? Religious supremacy over the rest of people. Likewise, وَجَعَلَكُمْ مُلُوكًا And He made you mulukan, kings. Notice, it hasn't been said, وَجَعَلَ فِيكُمْ مُلُوكًا And He made some of you into kings. No, He made every single one of you a king. Muluk is a plural of Malik. Because who is Malik? The one who owns, the one who possesses. So every single one of you, Allah made him possessor, owner. As a nation, you were dominant over others. And at an individual level as well, Allah gave you much of the worldly things which brought you worldly prestige and honor. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, that مَنْ أَصْبَحَ مِنْكُمْ مُعَافًا فِي جَسَدِهِ آمِنًا فِي سِرْبِهِ عِنْدَهُ قُوتُ يَوْمِهِ فَكَأَنَّمَا حِيزَتْ لَهُ الدُّنْيَا بِحَذَافِيرِهَا That he among you who wakes up while healthy in body, safe in his family, and having the provision for that day, then it is as if the world and all that was in it were collected for him. Then you are a rich person. Who? You wake up with a healthy body, safety in your family, and you wake up with enough food for the day. Then you are a rich person. You are not a poor person. You are a king. So Musa reminded them, that Allah made you kings. He gave you so much. He fulfilled every need of yours. وَآتَاكُمْ And He gave you مَا لَمْ يُؤْتِ أَحَدًا مِّنَ الْعَالَمِينَ Which He did not give to anyone else from the people of the world. Meaning He gave you some unique blessings which were not given to others. Like, like man and salwa. What else? Remember the 12 springs? Likewise in the desert they were given the shade, غمام of the cloud. Likewise, messengers were sent to them, from them, which were not sent to other people. When they were oppressed by Fir'aun, imagine Allah sent His messenger to not just rescue the people, but also destroy Fir'aun. So what happened to Fir'aun? He drowned in front of them. They saw the sea part. Who? Who sees such a scene now? For whom has this happened? That the sea has parted so that they can cross it. Bani Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them many miracles. Many, many special blessings. Many unique things happened with them which did not happen with others. So, وَآتَاكُمْ مَا لَمْ يُؤْتِ أَحَدًا مِّنَ الْعَالَمِينَ 
He has given you what He has not given to anyone from the people of the worlds. And this is true. Every single person is given some unique blessing which others are not given. Every single person is given some unique blessing, some unique quality, some unique favor that Allah has blessed him with. And others around him don't have it. Every single person. So never feel, I'm such an average person, I have nothing. This is true with regards to every individual. Perhaps you have the ability to speak well. Perhaps you have the ability to control your anger. That you don't get angry. You have the ability to say good things to people which make them happy. You have the ability to spend easily. You have a wonderful mother who accepts you. No matter what a failure you feel. Who loves you despite your shortcomings. People will think that you're a loser, but your mother, she loves you for who you are, how you are. And she will take care of you. Even though you may be in your 30s, you may be in your teens, but your mother will treat you like a baby. Isn't that a huge blessing? Everyone doesn't have that. Everyone doesn't have it. Perhaps your school was very easy. Everyone is given some blessing. No one is created deprived. So it's necessary that we remember the blessings that Allah has given us so that we can be grateful. Because shaitan makes us feel, I'm so average, I'm so poor, I don't have this, I don't have that. I'm not even this, I'm not even that. What has Allah given me? Why should I be grateful? Why should I do this? No, you have every reason to be grateful. So remember. So he said to them, Ya qawmi, O my people, udukhulu, enter. الْأَرْضَ الْمُقَدَّسَةَ The sacred land, the pure land. مُقَدَّسَةَ قَافْ دَالْسِينَ That which has been purified, the land which has been purified from shirk, from polytheism. The land which is blessed, why? Because it was the homeland of many prophets of Allah. Which land is this? Palestine, the area of Asham. So Musa salam told Bani Israel when he brought them, you know, from Fir'aun, he freed them. They were in the desert, they were crossing the desert in order to enter, what? Their country. They were going back home, they were going back to Asham. So when they reached close to it, Musa salam told them, enter the city, enter this land, الَّتِي كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ which Allah has prescribed for you. What does it mean by prescribed for you? That He has made it mandatory on you to enter it, to live there. Likewise, Kataba, that He has decreed it for you. It is in your qadr. It is in your decree that you live there, that you stay there. This is your land. Why? Because you are deserving of it. You are worthy of it. Why are you worthy of it? Because your father, Ishaq, is the one who populated it. He is the one who built Baytul Maqdas over there. You inhabited this place. And remember, until Yusuf salam, the Bani Israel lived there. And when Yusuf was in Egypt, he called his father and his family over and everyone went to Egypt. And then they were oppressed by Fir'aun and eventually Musa came to rescue them. So when they were rescued, they were to go back home. That was their home. That is where they were to establish the deen of Allah, to live according to His laws. So he told them, enter. وَلَا تَرْتَدُّوا عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِكُمْ And do not turn away on your backs, فَتَنْقَلِبُوا خَاسِرِينَ Because then you will become losers. فَتَنْقَلِبُوا from Qalb is to turn. Meaning if you turn your backs, you don't enter the city, you will return as losers. You will never be successful anywhere. You will fail in every endeavor of yours in this life. You will be ultimate losers unless and until you go home. 
قَالُوا دِي سَادِيَا مُوسَى وَمُوسَى إِنَّ فِيهَا قَوْمًا There are some people in it already. What kind of people are they? Jabbarin. People of tyrannical strength. Jabbarin is a plural of Jabbar. Who is Jabbar? From Jim Barad, the one who oppresses others. The one who compels and forces others. So someone of overwhelming power, very strong, very oppressive. So it's basically people you don't want to deal with. People you don't want to deal with. Because they're physically strong, and they don't let you speak, they force their opinions on you, they force their decisions on you, you don't want to deal with them. Al-Qawi, Al-Mutakabbir. But in particular, these people, Jabbarin, it's referring to the people of Amalika who had populated Asham once the Bani Israel left. They went to Egypt when Yusuf called them. And what happened? That the people of Amalika, they populated Asham. And these people, they were of very strong built. They were strong people, physically very strong. And not just that, they were also oppressive in their nature. You know, merciless people, cruel people. This is how they were. So the Bani Israel, they said, but there are قَوْمًا Jabbarin in it. How can we go? They said, وَإِنَّا And indeed we لَنَّ دُخُولَهَا We're never going to enter it حَتَّى يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا Until these people will leave. When they will leave, then we will go. فَإِنْ يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا So if they leave it, if they get out of there, فَإِنَّ دَاخِلُونَ Then indeed we will enter. دَاخِلُونَ Plural of دَاخِل Now tell me something. Anyone will enter, no? If the place is vacated for you, then anyone will go. The challenge over here was to go and face those people and rule over them or either evict them. So basically take your home back from them. So they said, we're not going there, we're too scared, we're not dealing with them. So have them leave. Once they leave, we'll go. قَالَ رَجُلَانِ Two men, dual of rajul. They spoke up. They said, and they were min ladina. They were from those who yakhafuna, those who fear. Who did they fear? They feared Allah more than they feared qawman jabbarin. They were afraid of Allah. They spoke up, and these people anam Allahu alayhim. Allah has blessed them both. Blessed them both with what? With courage, with iman, with taqwa, with the desire to obey Allah with the desire to do even that which is very difficult, to please Allah, to obey Allah. So these two men, they spoke, they said to the people, Udkhulu, just enter, alayhim, upon the meaning, upon these people. From where? From al-baba, from the gate. Meaning, they said, just walk in. Don't send any warning, don't tell them you're coming, just walk in. You are thousands in number. Thousands in number. If you just walk into the city, you can quickly take over. Once you will enter it, فَإِنَّكُمْ غَالِبُونَ Then indeed you'll be victorious. غَالِبُونَ Plural of غَالِب Because remember, at Fath Makkah, at the conquest of Makkah, when the Prophet ﷺ came, he did not let the mushrikeen find out through any way that he was coming. If you've studied the seerah, there's something that you'll be familiar with, that the mushrikeen were not to find out at all about the Prophet ﷺ's plan to come and conquer the city. What did he do? He just left Medina and quickly came to Makkah. 
And then he entered. Once he entered, the people didn't know what to do. They couldn't resist. They couldn't fight because he's entering and behind him so many other Muslims are entering. What could they do? They were just shocked. Okay? Because if you warn the people, then what happens? Then they become prepared. If not physically, at least mentally. But if you surprise someone with your entry, then they just surrender. They can't do anything. Especially when there are thousands of you. Now go back to Hudaybiyah. A few hundred companions, they came with Muhammad wasallam to perform Umrah. And the mushrikeen found out that the Muslims had come. Did they let Muslims enter Makkah? No way. They did not let them enter Makkah at all. So the two men, they said, just enter the city, just walk in. There are so many thousands of you. You just need to enter and you'll be victorious. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا Trust upon Allah. إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If you're believers, if you believe in Allah, then trust upon Him. Take a step towards Him and Allah will make it easy for you. But what do we do generally? We just get so scared. I can't do this. And we don't even try. Try at least. Trust upon Allah and Allah will give you the ability to complete it. You know, for example, think back a month ago. What was your attitude towards fasting in the month of Ramadan? I'm sure many of you were like, I can't do it. I have school. It's summer. I have gym. I have this. I have that. I can't do it. I'm too scared. But what happens? Ramadan comes and you're like, I don't have an option. I have to fast. So you say, Ya Allah, I'm doing it. And you do it, one fast is over. And then the second fast. And the next one. And the next one. The next thing you know, half of Ramadan is over. And almost two-thirds of Ramadan is over. So this is what happens. That sometimes things appear to be very difficult and challenging. It feels like a mountain before you. But it's one step at a time. You have to start. In a hadith, what do we learn? You take one step to Allah, Allah will take ten steps towards you. You walk to Allah, Allah will run to you. So you have to take the first step. You have to go forward. And you have to trust on Allah. Allah, you help me. I can't do it with my own strength. I can only do it if you enable me. So look at these two men. They motivated the Bani Israel. Told them what to do. Qalu, they said, the Bani Israel, Ya Musa, O Musa, Inna, indeed we, Lannadkhulaha abadan. We are never going to enter it abadan, ever. We are never, ever going to enter it madamu fiha, as long as these people remain in it. Damu from the wam, dal waumim, to remain. As long as these people are inside, we're never going there. Fadhab, therefore you go, anta, you, yourself, warabbuka, and your Lord. You and Allah, you both go, faqatila, and you fight these people, innaha huna qa'idun. We're sitting right here. We're not moving. Qa'idun, plural of qa'id. Just look at the attitude of the Bani Israel. How Allah blessed them, saved them, rescued them, brought them here. Gave them free food, gave them free shade, gave them free water, everything they needed, everything they wanted. One thing is asked of them, just enter into the city, Allah promises you victory. Allah has decreed this place for you, you're going to be victorious anyway. But you are required to enter yourself. And this one thing they refuse to do, not doing it. We're sitting right here, 
O Musa, you and Allah go, you fight. When these people are finished, then we'll come in. Well, anyone will come in then. What's the test? What's the reward about them? And look at their statement. We're sitting right here. We're sitting right here. We're not moving. A believer is not qa'id. A believer is who? Qa'im. Qa'id is one who sits. Sits behind, stays behind. Doesn't move a finger. Doesn't move about at all. Doesn't put in the effort. We are required to be qa'im. Not just qa'im, but qawameen. Remember? Kunu qawameen lillahi. No matter how difficult it is, rise up, stand up, get up, do something. Don't just sit on your behind. Be active. But the Bani Israel, they said, We're sitting right here, we're not moving. And if somebody is adamant like this, they refuse to cooperate. Any suggestion you give them, any way you try to motivate them, they don't listen. They don't want to put in any effort. Then what can the leader do? What can the person in charge do? There's a limit to how much you can motivate someone, how much you can instruct them, how much you can guide them, how much you can encourage them, how much you can teach them. The rest falls on the plate of the people. They have to do something yourself. It's like if you're teaching someone something, you can teach. But unless they revise and they study, they cannot learn. It's both-sided, right? Musa salam can teach, he can encourage, but if the Bani Israel don't respond, that encouragement is useless. That advice doesn't matter. So Musa salam had had enough of Bani Israel. And then he made dua. Qala, he said, Rabbi inni, O my Lord, indeed I, la amliku. I have no authority illa nafsi wa akhi. I have no control except over myself and my brother. I can only make myself do something and I can only make my brother do something because he will cooperate. He's a prophet. He's a messenger of Allah as well. He will listen to you. Only two of us will do. I can't make these people listen. فَفْرُقْ بَيْنَنَا Therefore, separate between us وَبَيْنَ الْقَوْمِ الْفَاسِقِينَ And between the sinful people, between the disobedient people. Meaning, I don't want to be with the Bani Israel anymore. I've had it. He wanted to be away from the Bani Israel. If somebody doesn't listen to you, then how much can you force yourself upon them? So Musa salam he said, فَفْرُقْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ الْقَوْمِ الْفَاسِقِينَ I can't deal with them anymore. Separate me from them. This is how much they had hurt Musa salam. Musa salam, he was so courageous. He was a man of courage, a man of strength. And even he gave up when he dealt with the Bani Israel. Allah said, قَالَ فَإِنَّهَا مُحَرَّمَةٌ عَلَيْهِمْ He said, Fine, indeed it is forbidden upon them. Meaning this land which Allah decreed for them, ordained for them, now it's forbidden for them. They cannot have it. It's haram. It's like when Allah gives you an opportunity, you don't make use of it, a time comes when it is prohibited upon you. Then no matter how much you try to get it, you cannot have it. Because Allah has made a haram upon you, He's given it to somebody else. This land is now haram upon them. Arba'ina sanatan yatihuna fil ard. For 40 years, 
سنتن یئرز فور فورٹی یئرز یتیہون فی الارض دے ول واندر تھرو اؤٹ دی لینڈ واندر تھرو اؤٹ دی لینڈ یتیہون فرام تایاہا ات از ٹو واندر اباؤٹ موو اباؤٹ بیولڈرڈ ٹو گیٹ لاسٹ ٹو ناٹ فائنڈ ونز وے سو ان دس ڈیزرٹ دے ول سٹے فار فورٹی یئرز ناٹ فگرنگ اؤٹ ویئر ٹو گو وچ ڈائریکشن ٹو ٹریول ان ہاؤ ٹو گیٹ اؤٹ آف دس ڈیزرٹ دے ول سٹے ان دی ولڈرنس فار فورٹی یئرز اینڈ دین ایونچولی دے ول گیٹ سم ویئر فَلَا تَأْسَ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْفَاسِقِينَ So you don't grieve over the disobedient people. Don't pity them. Don't feel bad for them. Don't feel sorry for them. They don't deserve it. They have brought this upon themselves. Because soon after this incident, Musa a.s. passed away. And when he passed away, the Bani Israel, they were left in the desert. For 40 years they were there. The entire generation, the slave-minded generation, When it finished, new generation came out. Then those people, they under the leadership of certain men from the Bani Israel, then they entered the Holy Land and they conquered. And that is when they lived there. But when? When they proved themselves worthy. This generation proved themselves unworthy, undeserving. So it became haram upon them. Forty years they tried to get out of the desert. They couldn't. When Allah willed, when Allah allowed, because of their tawbah, because of their istighfar, then they were made to enter. And in this is a big, big lesson for us. The book of Allah contains much advice. It contains much instruction. Heart-melting instruction. Heart-softening words. But they can only affect us if we are willing to change. If we are willing to take a step. If we are not willing to take a step, then nothing can change us. Our mother cannot. Our father cannot. No teacher can. No group in charge can. No reminder emails can. Nothing can affect us if we decide to stay unchanged. Nothing can. And whose loss is it? our own loss. Because later, we will regret. We will want that the time we have lost, the opportunity we have lost comes back. But it will not come back. Good things are not available for free all the time. They come once, twice, thrice. Only a few times in your life. Grab the opportunity before it is taken away from you. Because if you don't take it, if you don't avail it, then it's no one's fault but yours. There is an example in this. One is the way of Musa a.s. The other is the way of Bani Israel. Check yourself. What am I doing? Whose way am I following? When we read the story, we feel like Bani Israel were such a corrupt lot. But how are we? Are we responsive? Or do we say, no, I'm not doing anything until you do everything. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from such hardness of the heart. And may He truly enlighten our minds and our lives so that we see the good and we take advantage of it. Recitation. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ اذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ جَعَلَ فِيكُمْ أَنْبِيَاءَ إِذْ جَعَلَ فِيكُمْ أَنْبِيَاءَ وَجَعَلَكُمْ مُلُوكًا وَآتَاكُمْ 
وآتاكم ما لم يؤت أحدا من العالمين يا قوم دخلوا الأرض المقدسة التي كتب الله لكم ولا ترتدوا ولا ترتدوا على أدباركم فتنقلبوا خاسرين قالوا يا موسى إن فيها قوما جبارين وإنا لن ندخلها وإنا لن ندخلها حتى يخرجوا منها فإن يخرجوا منها فإنا داخلون قال رجلان من الذين يخافون أنعم الله عليهم دخلوا عليهم الباب فإذا دخلتموه فإنكم غالبون وعلى الله فتوكلوا إن كنتم مؤمنين قالوا يا موسى إنا لن ندخلها أبدا ما داموا فيها فاذهب أنت وربك فقاتلا إنا هاهنا قاعدون قال رب إني لا أملك إلا نفسي وأخي فافرق بيننا وبين القوم الفاسقين قال فإنها محرمة عليهم أربعين سنة يتيهون في الأرض فلا تأس على القوم الفاسقين سبحانك اللهم بحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته